0: On this episode of the Capacity Podcast, we have our very own 180DC Chief Executive Officer Nick Chirinos on the show. He'll be talking about the direction 180DC will be taking in the near future, some of his learning lessons through his career both in ed tech and in international diplomacy, as well as some tips for those of you who want to join 180DC.
1: Hi, 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 everyone. Uh, Good morning, good evening, and good night to whoever's listening in. I'm Nandini Nijhavan, and I'm the host today for Capacity that you guys are all tuned into. Capacity is the podcast of the APAC Summit of 180 Degrees Consulting. And today we have Nick with us. Nick, can you hear us?
0: Perfectly well, perfectly well. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone.
1: Awesome, Nick. Nick Charinos is the CEO of 180 Degrees Consulting, the world's largest student consultancy. And uh, today we'll be talking about a lot of fun stuff, um, especially about what 180 DC is and uh, everything that the organization does, has been doing and the future aspirations. So, Nick, would you um, would you care to tell everyone about everything that you've been doing till now (laughs) in your life?
0: that's a simple question isn't it uh no i'll try to keep a very short intro because i know we're here to talk about about 180 and what and the work that we do so uh, my name is nick Uh, i'm originally from the beautiful country of greece in the south of europe uh, where i was born and raised but after leaving uh, high school i've pretty much lived a little over the world and this is one thing that also resonates quite a lot with 180 i've lived in nine different countries over the last uh, 10 years, which is uh, quite exciting. Um, my background is in, uh, in economics. That's what I studied. But then I ventured off into the startup space, uh, in particular, joining an ed tech startup uh, when I graduated uh, from my master's in Singapore, uh, doing business development and partnerships which was really exciting and ended up moving to Stockholm, where I'm currently based, um, doing much more strategic, uh, uh, strategic work in our headquarters. Um, with 180, the story has been quite long. <laughs> so I was first involved uh, at, uh, at a local branch in Stockholm when I was doing my master's back in 2015, when 180 was a, quite a different organization to what it is today. Um, I joined as a project manager for, uh, for a semester. It was a fantastic experience and I'm happy to expand upon it uh, further on. And then in 2017, uh, I joined the global leadership team uh, a variety of roles, and six years down the line, uh, here, here I am as CEO of 180, so it's been a long but very exciting uh, journey.
1: Wow, that does sound like <laughs> really exciting, and uh, Nick, I mean, just starting off with your, with your education, and you said economics, right, what, what uh, encouraged you to learn more about economics specifically?
0: Yep, that's a great question. And to our young listeners about to head into university back in the day when I was 17, economics seemed like the most interesting subject, if I may say, for someone that doesn't know what they want to do with their lives. So I remember I was doing the IB diploma program, which was an international curriculum that I did in my school. And I was like, economics sounds good. That looks fun. That's quite general. So why don't I study it? So it was as simple of a decision as that. And maybe some of you in the audience might be wondering, oh, how do how do many people choose their degrees? Sometimes it is as simple as this looks interesting. Let's see where it takes us. Um, but uh, it was a really interesting experience. I liked What I like about economics is how it gets you to think about problems, which is something that's also valuable in consulting. And of course, uh, in 180, we use that quite a lot. Um, so you have developed a lot of analytical skills. Um, what i didn't like as much is that it was quite theoretical so for me being quite a hands-on practical individual uh, economics was a bit more theoretical than than i that i wanted
1: oh that's that's an interesting insight um but yeah i i do see how economics is quite heavy on the the analysis side and theoretical side so well i think the young business who are thinking of doing economics would Keep this one in mind. And I think that's uh, a good place to think about 180DC, right? Uh, What exactly encouraged you to get involved uh, with your branch specifically or um, at whatever level, right? Like, why did you think of 180DC during your university time?
0: Yeah, so uh, on on mine personally, I always loved doing many, many different things all the time. So even from a young age, I was always doing thousand different hobbies and getting myself in so many different things. So when I ended up in Stockholm to do my master's degree, I was very excited to try out a lot of things and, and basically learn new skills that I had not learned before. And I remember the Stockholm School of Economics as a university is quite small. So it's a basically one building and they had the the fair where students present the different organizations. And 180 degrees really stood out. I remember how the students that were running the brands at the time, they were so driven and so excited. And I was like, that looks really fun. And for me, I always choose in my life things that I found really exciting and interesting and fun. And at that time, I was like, this looks like a really cool opportunity. I can get practical hands-on consulting skills, which are really important, but also just to be honest, be around fun and cool people. Because when you're studying, you want to have a group of people that you can hang out with and enjoy. So. It was a great opportunity to learn something new for a good cause, but also, if we're honest with ourselves, it was also a great time to meet a lot of new people, which uh, was uh, was definitely satisfied when I was there.
1: Wow, that's that makes sense. I think I think that's uh, a good place where most students start off with during their university time, um, trying to get hands on experience and uh, consulting being such an such a dynamic industry. Um, I think a lot of students are encouraged to get some experience beforehand. Um, Just curious, uh, do you see any differences between 180DC then and 180DC now? And if yes, then do you know, can you you draw any comparisons or similarities?
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, we can start with the simple impact metrics, which, you know, sometimes numbers tell part of the truth, but they tell some truth. So when I first joined 180 uh, DC back in 2015, I think we were just about 70 branches across the world. Fast forward to 2023, we're just about to cross the 180 branch mark very soon, which is really exciting. So almost, almost, uh uh, tripling in our in our branch uh, in our branches, which is fantastic, and that also has meant that we now have more than six thousand volunteers across the world compared to three to three and a half thousand that we had back then. And of course, we serve a lot more charities that we ever served before, so our impact is amplified, which is really exciting. But leaving just the numbers aside, because of course numbers tell a story, but ultimately, one thing that I've realized in 180 A DC is how much it has matured as an organization which is pretty much like a startup right when you think about a startup kicking off and growing that's how the journey of One Eighty DC has been i think in 2015 we were still under especially in the global leadership team we were still trying to figure out what do we do what is our purpose how do we organize ourselves to add the most value to our branches which teams do we set up what tools do we use it was basically like a up-and-coming startup and now Six years down the line, if you look at the global leadership team as an example, even our branches, the way that they organize themselves, the tools that they use, the quality of the, the consulting services that we provide, the uh, events and experiences that we offer to students, the APAC Summit being one perfect example of them, are a lot more professional, a lot more structured, a lot more organized because of experience and we've all matured. So the Stockholm branch is a perfect example. they have now going to their 12th year of operation. So. All of that knowledge and the experience and the clients and everything has translated to, well, a lot more quality work, much more professional services, a better student experience. And I think that has shown overall in 180, which is why we've grown quite a lot. And I think personally, I think 180 has a tremendous opportunity to grow even in the future because I think we're just at the start.
1: How is 180 DC like a startup? And have your experiences in startups helped you running 180 DC?
0: Yeah, definitely. I would say it's so interesting to see because my startup, when I joined, we were 25 people, and now we're a bit over 140. So it's been interesting to see, even the global leadership team, when I joined, it was still quite a small team, probably around 40 people. Now we're a little bit over 90. So we've doubled uh, as well. I think what's been interesting to see is in both cases, At the start, you're pretty much just trying to figure things out. You know, that's how startups work. You're like, what are we doing? You're always asking questions. What are we supposed to do? What are we, what is this team's function supposed to be? What is our mission supposed to be? What tools should we use to to work better together? And all of these questions, you just don't know. And as a result, you just try to figure things out by doing. And then what is exciting is that you iterate a lot of times. So you fail very frequently. You try it. It's like, that didn't work. Let's start again that didn't work let's start again and over time what is exciting is that you see the pieces of the puzzle coming together because you've tried so many things at some point you're like okay this organizational structure seems to make sense let's now keep this and grow this structure even more these tools that we use make sense for our organization let's keep these and grow even more and when that happens you start to see stronger teams forming, a leadership team coming into existence that can now support the organization, tools that actually really add value and help, uh, for example, the, the work that we do. And now that's why I'm saying that I do believe there's quite a lot of growth, for example, in 180, because once that happens, then you can easily step and start to, like try to do many more ambitious things that are more longer uh, uh, focused in the future, because you've established, okay, this is what we do. These are the structures that we have in place, the tools that we have. Now let's, let's try to do a bigger bet because we're more confident. So I think that's, uh, that's the exciting place that we find ourselves in right now.
1: I'm starting to see that 180 DC has a lot of structures similar to really mature, well-established organizations. How do we ensure we have a mature, organized 180 DC without bureaucracy that typically plagues matured, organized companies?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And one really positive thing about the structure of 180 is that we're extremely decentralized. That means that at a branch level, they can make fast and effective decisions that work in their context. So that's a fantastic model of 180 that works really well, because what is best in New Delhi, what is best in uh, in Washington, what is best in Sydney is very different from what, for example, the global leadership team would, would recommend. And that means that we can make a lot of good fast decisions in the local context now when it comes to the global leadership team i'd say we've reached a stage right now where we've grown quite big so we're a bit uh, over 90 people we have some solid systems and processes in place which means that now when it comes to not getting ourselves into the bureaucracy is more about the culture and the people that we bring because now it's more a matter okay we want people to join that i want to try out new things and see if they succeed perfect example being the summits that we are organizing that was a fantastic idea that one of our members had two years ago and look at how they've grown today and the uh, the impact that they're creating Um, so for us right now and my focus as well as ceo is how can we create a very effective culture where our 90 plus volunteers of the global leadership team feel empowered to take ownership of some exciting initiatives and and grow with them and develop them So it shifts away from, let's figure things out, which is what you start off with, to, okay, we now know what we're expected to do. We know what our mission is. We know the tools that we use. Now let's try to explore some big initiatives. So it's more now about the culture and further, of course, now leveraging on the tools that we have, meaning that tools and the process that we set, we now want to make them work for us. So it's an interesting experience. And I would say adding one extra spice to it is... When ATDC is a fully volunteer run organization. That's a really interesting twist to it, meaning that the whole global leadership team is comprised of extremely talented, passionate volunteers working most of them uh full time. So it's also very interesting to balance getting some of our members that are, you know, progressing in their careers and doing fantastic work there, to also push When atdc forward uh as well through these initiatives, through the the projects that we're doing, etc. So it's uh it's an interesting uh, balance for for, for for us as an executive team to consider.
1: Yep, absolutely. I think um, I recently joined the GLT myself. And uh, I think that's, that's absolutely true that like, the culture that we have in the GLT is absolutely unmatched to any other volunteer organization I've been associated with. So I think building that over time and building that as a conscious effort has always been a, Uh, an objective that the people in the GLT have always cared about. And I think that that leads me to, you know, I'm interested to know, Nick, what encouraged you to join the GLT in the first place? Because after your university circuits and, you know, after we all graduate, essentially, uh, taking our time over the weekends oftentimes is um, tough, you know, with your normal mundane uh, Monday to Friday. So what encouraged you to join in the first place?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. I would say the way that I see about my motivation being part of Eight has also changed over the years. Because when you've stayed in an organization for six years, you start with a certain motivation and then it grows into different reasons why you're still a part of it. So when I first joined, for me it was three things. Number one, I just had a great time being part of Eight at a branch level. So it was an opportunity and me thinking, since I like to be involved in many different things, is this something that I can also do upon graduation? Because I had a great time. I enjoyed myself a lot. I learned a lot. So I was like, I just want to be involved to be transparent because I had a great time. So why not continue something that you enjoy doing? So that was the first reason. The second is it was a great opportunity to try a, a completely new field for me at the time, which was business development. So I wanted to get experience in something that I've not done before uh, when business development in the global leadership team was great opportunity, working and speaking with different charities across the world trying to negotiate projects uh, with them uh, was really intriguing. So why not try something? And then I'll always bring this point up as well. It is the people. For me, even back in the day, and of course, thanks to this day, I was always attracted by the global nature of 180. The fact that in the global leadership team, uh, well, now we are 90 people across, I think a little bit over 30 nationalities. That's also quite unmatched. It's hard to find that in organizations that you're a part of because not that many of them are global. And that's something that was really attracting to me back then and still is very attracting to me now. So it's one of the constants that I've had. And if I reflect on this question about why Mm -hmm. am I continuing 180 now, six years on the line, I would say the people still remains a very big reason because it's an opportunity every day to work with new and talented people across the board, which is something that I cherish a lot, but for me now, the shift has been on learning a lot more. So I think as you grow into an organization and you mature and you understand how it works, you can make better, more strategic and more informed decisions, which means that you learn a lot about yourself, about leadership, about strategy. And those are fields that I'm personally really excited about. And I feel that if I'm honest, the kind of skills that I learned in One Eighty DC have been invaluable. So. That's one of the reasons why I continue volunteering six years uh, down the line, and why if people are considering to do so, if they have the capacity alongside their full-time jobs, I think this is uh, an invaluable opportunity to to upskill yourself alongside working with uh, fun and talented people, which of course is, is important. Yeah, I think
1: I think that really makes sense because um, six years is a long time <laughs> in, uh, I mean, let alone a volunteer organization. Just as a part of any, any organization whatsoever. Six years is a long time. Uh, Nick, now that you're the CEO and you're bringing so many changes within 180, what exactly, um, where would you want to take 180DC in the next five years, let's say? If, if you would try to bring a new dimension or a new direction to the organization, where would you take 180DC?
0: Yeah, we did also a very uh, exciting workshop actually with our executive team a couple of months back where we had what we call blue sky thinking saying, you know, if we had no constraints, how do we see 180 DC in five years? So that's a very relevant question. I would say for for, for myself uh, personally, I think I see 180 DC as being the go to place for all things social impact consulting related because. Right now, we are, of course, a student-run consultancy, which is fantastic and we engage students, but we've developed so much expertise in the social impact consulting space that we can scale that above and beyond, for example, the student body and start working with more young professionals that are interested in working with charities and expanding upon that and further professionalizing the way that we work with clients, but also building a talent of very young and motivated both students and young professionals that can be connected together in a more meaningful way. That means building a global community that we can leverage, for example, to advocate for causes. We can leverage, for example, for, for recruitment, to help them with their careers. We can leverage for learning and development. So it's a very exciting opportunity, which we've not, of course, achieved until until this time. So in a nutshell, I would say number one is getting one adDC to a space where when someone thinks of Social impact consulting—they will think of 180 when they when they come to it. The second is really building one of the core value positions that 180 has, which is our global network of young and talented. Well, in our case right now, students, but in the future, it's even growing further to that, and bring them closer together for more impact. Again, be it advocating for causes, helping them find better careers, uh, or helping them, um, for example, develop more skills and uh, and uh, and experiences. So. This is the ambition. Of course, that's quite a high ambition, and uh, you know we want to take it step by step. So, one of the one of the key initiatives that we're looking at this year is well, two things in particular. So, we recognize that this this the tools and the processes and the systems that we use make a very big difference about how we can scale. Because if you don't have these, if we grow to five hundred chapters, it's going to be very hard for us to maintain the quality of our work across the board so we're investing a lot in our new technologies and our new tools that we've we've rolled out over the last two years and one big initiative as well that we're exploring right now is how can 180DC transition over to a new organizational model where some of our members are no longer volunteers and working full-time and therefore contributing much more and much more effectively in in the day-to-day work of, of 180. So these are the ambitious bets that i was saying before now that we feel more comfortable and we're a more stable position we can take some of these bets and hopefully they'll help us reach this very ambitious vision but step by step so this is it's an exciting opportunity but there's a lot of hard work and of course uh, a lot of exciting things are coming up
1: yeah awesome i think uh with your focus of bringing um international i would say not boundaries together, uh, international talents together. Uh, Are there any specific regions around the world that you would want to involve more? Um, Maybe in the brand circuits, maybe in the GLT, anything?
0: Great, uh, great question. And definitely there are two in particular regions where when ATDC uh, has been trying to expand and where I would be extremely excited to see us grow. The first one is in sub-Saharan Africa. We have been working with charities in, in the region for so many years now, and we've been doing remote projects. And what we recognize is there's so much talent in especially sub-Saharan Africa. I mean, it's the younger, the largest percentage of young population in the world lives in these countries, and they're eager to, to upskill themselves and to do something good in the world. So we've been putting a lot of effort to expanding to countries like Nigeria, Rwanda, Kenya, Tanzania, Zimbabwe. So that's an area we believe the future of 180 also lies because there are also mm-hmm. fast growing regions in the world that have a lot of potential and then a second area where we also see a lot of values in in the middle east which uh, we also feel that 180 80dc add a lot of value so looking at countries like the united arab emirates like qatar and others there's also a growing number of young people uh, there as well that are eager to contribute and and be involved in in the social impact space. So those are the two major areas. We have, of course, ambitions in other parts of the world, but I would say, given that in those two regions, we have pretty much very limited presence at the moment to zero, I would be very excited if in a year's time we can celebrate our first couple of branches in in sub-Saharan Africa, our first couple of branches in the Middle East, and then use that as the impetus to grow the region uh, further. So one example that I always like to give about the really exciting word of mouth impact of 180 is our Indonesia story where there was a group of very young and motivated students at a uh, university in Indonesia mm-hmm. called UGM that approximately two and a half years ago they set up their first ever branch in Indonesia and then purely through word of mouth purely through word of mouth we're now at a bit over eight branches in Indonesia in two years just because students are telling each other hey I was part of 180DC UGM, you should join. And just, just like that, we're not eight branches with many more in, uh, in, 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 our, in our pipeline, which is really exciting. And it goes to show that if, for example, we establish our first branch mm-hmm. in Lagos, in Nigeria, then who knows what the ceiling might be. Maybe 10 years down the line, we are yeah, at 100 branches like in sub-Saharan Africa <laughs> or more. So uh, that's, that's, that's really exciting. And again, it goes to show how powerful... <laughs> The word of mouth can be for an organization oh, like but a.
1: that's that's fantastic, eight branches in Indonesia just by word of mouth. That's quite interesting. Um, in fact, do you have any tips for students who are tuning in from these regions, from Middle East or from Sub Saharan Africa, who are considering starting a branch? But um, I mean, is there any any push that the CEO can give us <laughs> for for the new branch? Thank you.
0: I mean, this is also like the advice that I would generally give to young people. Just do it. I know this sounds very basic, but you're 18, 19 years old or 20 years old. You have pretty much nothing to lose. You have the whole life ahead of you. You have hopefully a lot of free time as you're studying or you're about to study. So why not try to start a branch at your university? You know, I can only see positives from the experience. Even if it doesn't work out, you will have learned how to create team, you will have learned how to create a proposal. You have learned how to create a business plan and how an organization should be founded and run. You will learn about marketing, about recruitment, about you know client acquisition. So many skills. So my always thinking when I when I work now with more younger people like myself is just try it. It doesn't matter if it doesn't work. You know, doesn't it's okay. You know, if you don't get approved, what's the thing that can happen? You learn from the mistakes that you made. A year later, you reapply or you think about something else to start off, you know. I see it's only benefits that you can do, especially at a young age. And generally speaking, when you're young, (laughs) just try things. There is, you know, you have the whole time ahead of you. It literally just doesn't hurt. So take some risks, found a new society, maybe like 180 Degrees Consulting or anything else that you're passionate about. If it doesn't work, learn from it and move on. I think that's the simplest advice. So hopefully (laughs) some of the members listening to us will get a bit inspired and try to explore what does that look like but in any case this is hopefully some more of a life advice that it's related to everything that you do when you're younger you No, know, just just try things out and see what you like and, mm-hmm. and don't like
1: yeah that's actually pretty good advice um, also the brand motto of many many companies so I think that's that's quite uh, that re- resonates with a lot of people <laughs> but uh, yeah that, that's amazing um on a tangent, outside of all the work that goes on in 180, what's your favorite memory uh, of 180, which is outside of, of course, the, the the work and the effort that goes in, but anything fun, anything exciting, maybe from the summit that happened this year?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can say one from a student experience and one from a charity experience to give both sides of, of, of the, the people we work with. So from a from a, from a a charity experience, actually one moment that has struck me with me until this day, it might seem like a very simple moment, but a lot of the times there are very simple experiences that humble you or make you understand why you're doing things and why you volunteer, for example. So I remember this charity, I think must've been four years ago when I was still working within business development. It was this very small charity in Australia. It was in maybe Brisbane or Sydney. It was this uh, mother that had an ADHD, a kid with ADHD. And what she had done, she was she had basically set up a website with a very noble and simple intention was to, to help other parents in her local community with resources and support uh, uh, that have also ADHD uh, kids. And it was such a noble cause and it was she was so passionate. When we had a conversation, I remember she was so driven about that mission. She was like, I really wanna help. I really wanna provide a platform where everyone else that faces the same problem as me can get the support that they need, because I know how challenging it might be, especially at a young age. And I remember that when we scoped out the project and they ended up doing the project, how happy that made her. You know, It's a literally one person show, right? She was on her own in that city. And I remember how excited she was when the project, if I remember correctly, was, how do I raise more awareness? So she wanted to raise more awareness about this, so create a more of a, an awareness mm-hmm. strategy for, for her and her and her platform. And that made her so happy. And I think that indicated to me that a lot of the times the impact doesn't have to be big, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't have to be something that's huge. You know, we're doing a huge project with a government agency or something. Sometimes these small impacts can have, through the concept, for example, mm-hmm. of the butterfly effect, a huge a huge impact that we might not be acknowledging. I think that's something that 180 DC is very unique about. So that's one memory that has stuck with me until this day from a charity, from a from a student perspective. So, it's actually very interesting. Uh, every time, because I travel a lot for my work, I would go to a city and there would always be <laughs> one ATDC member, which is so really funny. So, I would go to, for example, to where was I in Goa in India, uh, and then we would have Pranit, one member of our global leadership team that was there where we ended up having lunch and dinner. We would go to Madrid and then I would meet uh, Marta, another member. And it's so exciting. And it's just like literally in every city that you go, there's always wow. an ATDC member <laughs> present where they show you around, you know do some shopping together we eat the local food etc and that's always really fun and then of course when you bring everyone together so as 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 also you referenced we had the global leadership team summit last year in in turkey in istanbul that was a fantastic experience and i think we're 17 people and it was crazy how we're people from different backgrounds nationality ages uh you know university studies etc and we all pretty much like clicked together as if we knew each other for so long. And we had a good time. Uh, we had great workshops, but we also had a good night out, a lot of food. And that, uh, I think that excited a lot of people and uh, made them to look forward to the next, uh, next year summit. Uh, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's an experience that I can vividly remember. Wow,
1: that was such a good answer because <laughs> I think, I think um, when, you, when you spoke about the, the project, uh, about how about the awareness project specifically, I think I was moved, and then you talked about the funds, so, and I got excited by the by the food and the laughter. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that's uh, that's pretty cool uh, to understand and hear. Um, so well, I understand that you've always been interested in diplomacy, and um, do you have any? Do, do you find any correlations between diplomacy and the missions and values of 180DC? And uh, d- did those two things connect you with diplomacy in the first place?
0: Yeah, that's a great uh, great question. I would say uh, I've, I've loved diplomacy ever since I was young because I've been born in a family of diplomats. So my stepmom uh, was a diplomat for the Greek uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs. So she imbued the... the 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 love for diplomacy so i think one thing that i love about diplomacy that's also very similar to the mission of 180 is in an ideal world diplomacy helps solve global Mm -hmm. challenges that we all face right i mean if you think about climate change if you think about wars if you think about poverty if you think about pretty much the global challenges that we're facing right now it can only be solved through multilateral diplomacy there's no way that as an individual country or Prime Minister or similar can solve a problem. And what I find that's so similar to 180 is that 180 DC in a different capacity aims to support and address some of these big global problems through a different solution, through nonprofit mm-hmm. consulting, of course. So I think that has a very similar cause. And in an ideal scenario, diplomacy should help countries come together to solve these common problems mm-hmm. rather than bridges apart. So that's, that's one thing I really enjoy, but for me, what is really exciting about diplomacy is taking back to the fact that I, I I do see the only way out for us as a civilization is to come together with these challenges. I can't, whenever I hear, for example, countries blaming each other all the time, whenever you hear the divisions coming up, you're like, oh, you know, if only we could recognize how we can work together to solve some of our problems rather than constantly, you know, be aggressive against each other, let alone start wars. Uh, how much better the world would be. And I see that's a really noble cause mm-hmm. to to be part of, uh, but also to just be interested in because it's very challenging and it's also global in nature, yeah. which is also similar to 180. Like modern diplomacy is no longer, you know, France and Germany coming together. It's France within the European Union, France within Europe, France within NATO, France with the rest of the world. And that's really exciting as well because you have to think global as 1ATDC as well. We are a global organization and diplomacy forces you to think about problems in a global setting because, again, it was no longer the days where you had to fix things just bilaterally or at least the majority of the problems are no longer done in this uh, in mm-hmm. this context.
1: Absolutely. I think that's, that's really important to recognize because there are a lot of things that pull us apart as a global community, but then a lot of things that help us stick together, glue together as well. And I think diplomacy does solve for a lot of that. Um, I think that is something that I've noticed in my time in 180DC as well, when I was a part of my branch, that we as a community have the power to bring together different causes and solve for different causes as well. So it doesn't matter if... um, it didn't matter if we were sitting out of Delhi, but we could help someone from a different country altogether. But we were connected by the cause. So, for instance, Women Empowerment, we were connected by Women Empowerment. And it didn't matter if the person across the screen was, um, I don't know, of any nationality, any race. We were there to help. So I think 180DC has helped a lot of branches with that, um, especially looking at the at the level of projects that Uh, we do as a community
0: so that's yeah that's a great reflection I'd say it's uh, that's the power as well of bringing for example when ATC branches together and for example advocating for a cause like right now for example uh, with the awful uh, earthquakes in Turkey and Syria it was fascinating to see of course the global leadership team but how many when ATC branches raised awareness about the cause, suggested the organizations that we can support on the ground. Some of them even uh, ended up fundraising for them. And that's referencing the power of the 180DC network about advocating for cause in the future as well is is really powerful because you know, young people, yes, we are 6,000 at the moment, but in 5, 10 years on the line, maybe we're 20, 30,000. You know, the power of these people that can make a difference in those causes, whatever those causes may be at the time, is really powerful. So, I think there is a perfect example of Turkey and Syria response about how we can come together as a community, advocate, support the charities on the ground, uh, raise awareness, you know, so many different things. And it's, you know, it's, it's, we're in a unique spot to be able to help with that. So great, great reflection mm-hmm. also on your end.
1: Yeah, uh, I think uh, if I'm not wrong, a lot of 180 DC branches outside of um, the crisis centers were raising funds to donate to those organizations that we were raising awareness about so i think that absolutely is in line with what you're talking about yeah that's, that's absolutely lovely um i was also interested to know a little more about how you've been involved in diplomacy because of course 180 dc has been a big chunk of um of, of your involvement but uh, have you have you worked in the space do you have aspirations in the space anything that you would like to reflect on specifically
0: yeah, definitely. So I was involved, uh, I've done a couple of internships uh, just before uh, working full time. So I was an intern in uh, in three of our embassies, uh, Greek embassies abroad in uh, China, in Beijing, in Oslo, in Norway, and in the, the United Nations uh, General Assembly, the headquarters in New York. So it was, I think, a total of a year and one month across the board. So when you represent a country, it's uh, it's of course not multilateral diplomacy in the sense that you're representing the interests of Greece and the European Union in some cases. And the work, a lot of the work that I did uh, in the different embassies was uh, a combination of helping write reports and uh, and inform our. A ministry on, on the different things happening, both from an economics perspective, but also from a political perspective. But what was also really exciting, which I enjoyed a lot, was uh, just attending different events and conferences representing Greece um, and finding out more, for example, in China, um, how their trade and economic policies are going through and how Greece can can better position their own firms to, to be able to export to China as a perfect example. But my most exciting experience with diplomacy was at the united nations because as i shared with you before i think multilateralism is the way to go like if we are to solve some of the big challenges together we can only do it through mm-hmm. multilateralism so at the united nations the the interns really get a lot of power and that's uh, an advice that i have for members of our audience i do see i do highly advise you to explore some internships in the united nations in new york representing a country because What's really exciting there is that you can be a diplomat you have the same status when you enter the building of the united nations uh, of a diplomat as any other member of your mission which is really exciting and you actually can represent your country in the different committees of the united nations for example listen in and attend security council meetings where they discuss topics about syria and afghanistan and the different crises across the world and and inform yourself about them and what was really exciting is to see how diplomacy is conducted within the different groups. So you see, for example, I was part of the administrative and budgetary committee. And it was fascinating to see the different blocs negotiating together about the budget of the United Nations, seeing how they, some of them tried to increase it, some of them tried to reduce it, how they brought these arguments together, how they negotiated to create a resolution, how the pushback happened, how... You could spend eight hours in a meeting talking about the same thing and then realizing (laughs) we're not getting anywhere. It demystifies how diplomacy is done because a lot of the times, you know, when you see the news and you read a BBC article saying, oh, this deal was reached, Mm -hmm. you don't really know what comes behind it. And I think it demystified how that that whole process looks like. So I highly advise some of our audience, if they are considering an internship, that's a bit different to what the, you know, maybe a consulting internship or a, a corporate banking internship. Uh, internship at the UN in New York is a really, really good experience. So highly, highly advise that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have already graduated and I'm kind of interested hearing about your experience now. <laughs> that's, that's quite interesting. Just out of curiosity, um, are module United Nations anywhere close to what happens in the actual UN? Or are they
0: absolutely different? Well, well, it's actually not a bad question. I was also involved in the in the MUN in the Hague uh, in the Netherlands. It's it definitely is. I'd say I think it's much more bureaucratic in the headquarters than uh-huh. when we do at the MUN because you know, students, when we're like sixteen, seventeen, we're like, oh, let's either let's fight and let's cause a bit of a commotion, or let's yeah. solve the problem together easily, and we don't recognize that in in the different blocks and countries there are more long-standing challenges like i can't as a representative of greece come in and start suggesting radical policies that change how you know our foreign Mm -hmm. policy has been for many years which in the MUN context you could potentially Mm -hmm. do right because why not Uh, and i think that's the that's the aspect that's quite different i remember at the MUN conference in the hague i think we might even have started like a mini-war <laughs> as a result. I don't remember, I think some of the delegations, they were not taking it seriously at the end. And I remember it was a mini-war like it was about to start, yeah. which, of course, this would never happen in the United Nations headquarters. You don't expect these things. So, good simulation, probably less, uh, less fast, less fun and much more administrative and mm-hmm. bureaucratic in, in New York. Yeah, that
1: would be hilarious. To actually <laughs> uh, just project what happens in a in an MUN to what happens in a UN, because <laughs> I remember I think even in some of my experiences in um, in modern United Nations, um, I remember us suggesting something really stupid. I don't remember, but it was it, 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 the main Security Council members started a war. And there was, we started suggesting like really, really stupid ideas. But yeah, I think, I think uh, young teenagers are often interested to raise placards more often than actually raising questions or raising <laughs> action items. But yeah.
0: I mean, it's not a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> that that makes sense. You know, I mean, that's in the context of the modern United Nations. It's, 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 it's a fun mm-hmm. thing to do, I would assume, you know. Of course, when you represent a country, the last thing you want to do is come into a Security Council meeting being like, okay, <laughs> let's start a war. It's totally not a very sensible thing yeah. to to propose. So, But it's a good experience. I think it's, a, again, if you think even like how the world is progressing, I think the United Nations and other large organizations working globally are really valuable for young people to know how they work. Because, again, referencing my initial point, if we want to solve these global challenges, we have to work together as pretty much 193 countries. Mm. Otherwise we won't solve them. So it doesn't mean that the solutions are going to be through the United Nations or through the European Union with other big groups, but Mm. they will have to be global. It will have to be, there's no other solution to it, you know? So I think getting young people involved and making them reflect and think, okay, this is the current system Mm -hmm. of multilateralism globally. How can we make it better to serve the needs of today? Because, you know, I mean, it's not a surprise that a lot of young people, like even like myself, were disappointed about the inaction of so many of the key the key challenges of today: climate change, you know, human rights, and there's constantly this frustration about why things are not progressing, economic instability, uh, you know, how hard it is to to afford to buy a house yeah. in so many parts of the world. So we mm-hmm. care about these problems a lot, and we have to think of ways to solve them globally. You know, and we're creating new institutions. Making the existing institutions that we have more fit for today. Well, we have to come up with solutions. There mm-hmm. is, you know, if we just talk about how bad they are, that's not going to help. We have to solve them ourselves. So, get involved at the young age. Think about it. Reflect, and then hopefully involve yourself in in either the existing ones or just be part of a new change. Create a new one. Maybe that sounds a bit ambitious, <laughs> but why not?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, um, bringing this thought back to 180DC, do you have any favorite experiences or any top experiences that you've um, gathered from your stints with within diplomacy or your experience at college or your experience with other internships that helped you shape uh, your journey within the GLT or with the work that you're doing today? Um, I mean, it doesn't have to be specific from diplomacy, but... Maybe something from your business development space or anything.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'll say um, what was really both my full-time role and the diplomacy work that I've done uh, were mm-hmm. quite global in nature. So the edtech startup that I work for right now is serves international schools across 120 countries. So... On a day-by-day basis i might be in touch with a school from brazil and then in the afternoon with a school from india and then in the morning with a school from china and travel to these countries as well which is really exciting and the cultural understanding of how to work with people from different parts of the world is something that's really a skill that i've learned through my full-time role and through diplomacy because it's simple to say I was going to bring 10 people from 10 countries and they're going to work well together. It is naive to suggest that. You know, you need the ability to listen. You need the ability to understand where people are coming from. They have different ways of working. Mm -hmm. They have different backgrounds. They have different experiences, different expectations. And that's something that I've learned a lot and I've been able to implement in 180 because 180 is very global. So we have 35 nationalities across uh, 90 people. So it's really important. So that's one skill. The second is definitely the... I don't know whether I would say hustling or trying to get things done. So when you work at a startup, it's quite common, especially if it's a fast growing startup. You need to like have that mindset of let's get things done and learn later, sort of mindset, because you're growing really fast. Day by day, there's mm-hmm. constant change, right? I mean, when I joined my startup, we we're 25 people, now we're 130. So we go through waves and waves of change. And the two things that I learned from there that were extremely valuable for 180 is number one, be focused on Let's do something and learn from it later, which is really valuable when you volunteer because you have limited time. So you need to be able to do something rather than think too much about it, which I learned in a startup. And the second is just being adaptable to change. That's a really important skill that, to be honest, a lot of young people should try to cultivate because when you work in a startup, there are things changing every day. I can tell you, you get funding, you don't get funding. You expand your mm-hmm. product, you don't expand your product, you fail at a new market entry, you succeed at a new market entry. You hire people and then you fire people. It's very dynamic. And as a result, you need to be very accustomed to change and adapt to it rather than fail within it. And that's the same thing about 180. You have to adapt to change. Like every year, the global leadership team has 30, 40 new members. Mm-hmm. So you work with new people every year. You have to adapt to it. There are new initiatives, new challenges, new opportunities. And it's every year, if not every month or in every, every week in that sense. So that's another skill that I taken from my full-time role and implemented it really well in 180. And I would say a very good advice for young people, like just about starting university or maybe just about start a career. Think about these skills because they're very hard to get. Like I can say, if I look back now and I look at some of our most successful members Mm -hmm. of 180 DC and outside the ability to work with people from different cultures in an effective way that produces results and keeps people happy. The ability to get things done in an effective and well high quality manner and be adaptable to change is really hard like these are very hard skills they sound simple oh yeah i can adapt to change well can you think about it yourself if your three colleagues that you work with for a year change how do you feel are you still able to work maybe not maybe yes you can think about it yourself if the whole world crumbles around you are you still able to work maybe maybe not and i think these are the kind of questions that you know, when you ask yourself, you're like, it's actually a hard skill to earn. Or if I bring 10 people and I tell you, Nandini, you are the project manager of 10 people that are from 10 different nationalities, different age groups, different college experiences, how easily will you work with them? I and mean, these are the kind of questions, the practical questions. Will you do it? Uh, but very important skills. And hopefully you have also learned part of them being part of the global leadership team or outside. In your branch uh, as well or hopefully you're on the journey towards learning them
1: a hundred percent i think i think this is just one of those skills that you never learn entirely you kind of just keep improving and improving and improving till you're like okay at least i'm at a sustainable level of okay adaptive adaptability to change but yeah i think um i was able to adapt um really well within my branch because we faced a lot of challenges um, as we were a new branch. And uh, the GLT has been has been really awesome in terms of the, the culture aspect because this was the space where I was able to interact with a lot of people from different backgrounds. In fact, my team specifically had people from different backgrounds. And just to um, something as simple as working with a common time zone, you know, that's something you don't really learn uh, till you actually learn, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's um, been quite interesting. And even within the APAC summit, yeah, the core team, uh, the members, the specialists, uh, the GLT, the branch—I mean, One Eighty tc has been quite a quite a cultural and holistic organization around. So, yeah, I think I think even the even the. It's a good members, reflection
0: about the time zones.
1: Yeah, they're actually quite challenging. Sorry
0: for (laughs) interrupting. i say the good reflection about the time zones. Ooh, like I remember so many of our members have done calls at 2 a.m., at 4 a.m., at 5 a.m., at midnight. And it's such a simple thing, but then you don't think about it. But then you realize that, hey, I mean, if you have a team that is pretty much situated all over the world, well, how else are you going to meet together all at once? There's no other possibility, you know? You based in India, you might have to have a call in midnight at midnight, and that's uh, that's life. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I remember there was one funny story where I think we had a team meeting, and we do rotating meetings from time to time. And I remember I was, I was quite confident I had set up the meeting time and everything, and it was all good. And then I remember just coming to the meeting next day, being like, "Oh my god, it's actually 4 a.m. I messed up the time zones because you don't time zones also change twice a year in many parts of the world." And I was like. Mm-hmm oh no, I just messed up the time zones and it was at 4 a.m. I will never forget that meeting because I was leading it and it was 4 a.m. So I basically, I don't remember if I slept and woke up and I was destroyed or I stayed up and I was still destroyed. But <laughs> nonetheless, in both cases, I was completely destroyed. And I was like, oh yeah, that I don't want to do that again. But it's a good example of, you know, you have to do these things. And it's simple, but it's actually not. How do you coordinate working with people, responding on, on, on communication platforms like Slack, like, you know, you finish your day, Ryan, day starts, you know, like, how does yeah. that work, you know, how do how do you work better together? Yeah. It's uh, tough questions.
1: Not just that, I mean, just to add to your point, um, people work on different days of the week. There are a lot of people that don't even, I mean, they have different work schedules, they have uh, different university um, admission schedules, they have exams and during different times of the year. A lot of companies work. I mean so it's it's quite I mean when you bring make things international, I think uh, a lot of things do a lot of switcheroo. So yeah, that that's quite that's quite a thing. So for all our listeners, if you're working with international clients, partners, members, anything, uh, Google Calendar and When to Meet will become your best friend if you explore them. So <laughs> just I think a tip from from us (laughs) if at all
0: and learn to remember when the time zones change in different parts of the world because for some reason australia if i'm not mistaken changes last the united states changes first europe is in between and then some countries don't change at all and then you're like it's it's an impossible equation to solve so in the months of march and october in 180 dc we're panicking because times change in different parts so like Do we keep this meeting? Mm -hmm. Do we have this meeting? Do we change this? And it's like, take your time, sit down, you know, try to almost like a study. It's like a homework because it's so Mm -hmm. complex. So (laughs) you will eventually get it, uh, but it takes some time. And even like calculating, okay, from Sweden, India is four and a half hours ahead. London is one hour behind. Sydney is 10 Mm -hmm. hours ahead. Singapore is seven hours ahead, but then it it's changes, so then it's six hours ahead, and then it's eleven hours, and then you're like, oh no, you know, I, I thought I knew it and then I don't. So it's a fun, yeah. fun experience, but uh, necessary.
1: Yeah, to all our listeners, I'm telling you, when to meet.com will become your best friend. You will not have to calculate the hours and hours and hours of differences, but yeah, absolutely, bang on. And um, I think I think just to wrap up our conversation, because we've had a lot of different aspects covered, and I'm sure our listeners have been really enjoying this. <laughs> I hope you've been enjoying this discussion. But uh, Nick, if you had 10 seconds, that you and, and within these 10 seconds, you could broadcast any message whatsoever to our listeners, what would this message be?
0: Maybe that I'll pass that question over to you first, Nandini. Having heard me speak for thirty minutes, what would you say I would have said, conscious of the advice that I've given? Let's see what would you have uh, said, and then I'll I'll say it. I will. I know you know. But like, what would you think I would have said?
1: Oh my god! What I think you would have said is a tough question. If what would I have said is an easier one, but I think, I think Nick, you really are very passionate about. Everything that 180DC can offer to the world, because the amount of milestones that 180DC has achieved in the last couple of years and seeing the ambition of the GLT, seeing the ambition of the branches, I think the main focus of the summit, the main focus of everything, all all the efforts that we do at a global level is to make sure that we can have a greater impact at a greater level. So I think the main 10 seconds, I mean, I would utilize my 10 seconds to encourage everyone, uh, all the listeners to look around and see how they can help. And that's how you start. So if you can can join a branch and help, then sure, do that. If you want to start a branch and help, sure, do that. But even if you as an individual, you're able to do anything um, at a small scale or a large scale, I think that counts. Just make sure that you do your effort. And I think that would, if, if I would have read our conversation, right, I think this would have been your message.
0: Very good. I think like your message was very spot on as well. So I'd say my 10 seconds, I would say, be curious. There's the whole world is amazing. There are so many things that you can do and mm-hmm. just try things out as the get things done aspect, just try things out. And if it doesn't work, you will learn something from it. If it fails, it fails. Again, you will go back and say, probably laugh at it and say, oh my God, what did I do? But at least you will have tried it. And I think that's the best. Be curious, explore things around you, and don't hesitate to try new things. I know this sounds very simple, but a lot of the times we tend to say, oh, but I might not be good at this. Or, oh, but I don't think I would like it. How do you know? And how do you know if you're not going to be good at it? You know what I mean? If you don't try it, how would you know? I think that's only the question I'd say. And the more you grow older, the more you realize that uh, actually, if only I had tried. I think that's another question. If only I had tried. If only I said, "Listen, let's just give it a try. One hour, two hours, three hours, whatever it is, and then see what happens." A lot of the times, you're going to be like, "Wow, what a cool experience!" I think that's the simplest one. I know it seems simple, but a lot of the times we just tend to, to forget and just stick to what we do. You know, oh, I'm just going to study. Great, don't get into but why not start a student club? Why not participate in student clubs? Why don't do different hobbies at the same time? Play your sports, mm-hmm. go out, you do these things. Why not? I think that's like the, the mindset that I think would be very beneficial because one reflection that I've had as the world is becoming more globalized and if we do wanna honestly succeed and bring a very big positive change is that we will have to, to have a lot of varied experiences because the world is very big and now we're competing with pretty much people from all over the world so in order for us to stand out as well and be able to do amazing things we'll have to have more diverse experiences which means we'll have to try more things we have to be curious because the world is big and it's no longer as our parents generation where like my parents generation was i'm going to stay in my hometown in athens i'm going to do a job for 30 years i'm going to be in the same place that's no longer the case for a lot of young people you know we've migrated Mm -hmm. to different countries we're going to move all over the world we're going to end up in different careers. It's going to be quite a different path. And for us to do that well, but also to make a very meaningful impact, we just have to do a lot of different things and be curious and, and good at them. So that's uh, it's not 10 seconds. I exaggerated a bit. Oh, but but it hopefully counts. it adds a bit more context <laughs> to everyone listening so that it's a bit it's a bit more practical because it gives the context about why it's important rather than just, just do it, which might be a bit harder.
1: A hundred percent. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Nick. I think this conversation has been really insightful for all the listeners, for me at least. And um, here's a shameless plug, guys. We have the APAC Summit happening uh, in three locations. Uh, We have it in India and Australia specifically. We also have the GLT recruitment going on, so if you're interested to jump in and, and join us, make a larger impact in the world, please do apply. Um, you can find more information at 180dc website uh, please do attend the inverse and hubs and the online conference that we have in the APAC summit and you can find more information at at the rate 180dc APAC summit and uh, yeah we have a lot of cool things going on like the podcast series that you're hearing right now we have many more episodes that you can tune into and uh, yeah if you're a part of the world which is not in the APAC we also have the EMEA and the AMER summits coming up soon this year so stay tuned and uh, enjoy the rest of the episodes